It's Friday. Well, actually, it's Thursday. Shit. <laughs> even I'm confusing myself. I'm so used to my preamble, I can't even remember what day it is. But it's Thursday. The new time for Logic and Larry. The new time to talk about the news of the week, the politics of the day. To discuss what's on our minds, to participate as a crew to talk about all those issues that are floating out there that we're all interested and concerned about. I'm your host, Larry Luciato Crane. Anything I say in this podcast is strictly my personal opinion, does not reflect the opinion of any other entity, does not reflect the stance or the opinion of any other group or person. Strictly me as a private citizen talking to you about my own feelings on different situations and different news articles and things in the world. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lot going on in the world today. I want to talk about the Derek Chauvin trial. I want to talk about the new, the latest from the White House regarding President Biden's latest gun control announcements. I want to talk to you about a number of things. But the first thing I want to just talk about is uh, this week. Yesterday, to be exact, I actually received my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. I want to talk about vaccines a little bit because I started this podcast in the midst of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, and that kind of was what gave me the time to sit and talk to you guys about what's going on. And that's also what, you know, inspired me to even sit down, get on the mic and even, you know, host a show because I thought we needed more voices out there, more rational voices to discuss uh, the things that were going on in the world and society, namely the virus and other things. And I thought there was a, you know, we had a real purpose and a reason to correct misinformation, mistruths, things of that nature. So that's kind of what started this. So it's fitting that we consistently and continuously go back and talk about the COVID pandemic and the considerations and current events regarding that pandemic. So yesterday I got my first dose of the Pfizer vaccine and, you know, to be to be honest, it was they. When I made this appointment, my father actually made the appointment for me a while ago. I have a heart issue, you know, I'm not going to get into details about it, but that could have qualified me for it early. But now they've recently opened it up to judiciary system employees, which I would qualify for anyway. But he made the appointment some time ago. So I had this appointment. It was all the way down in South Jersey. It was at the Morristown Mall. It's a mega site down there. And I had this appointment lined up for a long time. So even as Newark, Newark has really started to ramp up their efforts in terms of vaccination and in terms of, you know, larger sites and accommodating as many citizens as possible. Um, But despite the fact that Newark had really ramped up their their vaccination sites, I had already had this appointment in South Jersey for the longest time. And and every time I thought about maybe switching the appointment to somewhere closer, it kind of just presented a host of issues, you know, where I would have had to cancel that, you know, the appointment I already had and try to re, you know, get an appointment up here. And I don't want to deal with it all. The fact is, my appointment was always April 7th. I knew it was going to be nice out. I figured, hey, I like taking a drive. I'll take a drive to South Jersey. Highway to highway, since I'm right on the turnpike and the site's right on the turnpike, it was only an hour and five minutes to get there. So, hey, I enjoy the weather, head down there, 
do what I got to do. Got to be honest with you. Headed down there, got a tip that if I registered for a certain app, the My Health, the, the My Chart app, which is just specific to the hospital down there administering the vaccines, the virtual health system in South Jersey. And when I say South Jersey, look, there's two South Jerseys. There's the Eastern South Jersey, which is really Atlantic City in the Pine Barrens area. And then there's Western South Jersey, which is Camden and Gloucester County and Burlington County, all around that Philly suburb area. So I'm talking about the Western side of it, which is where I was, the Western side of things. So I went down to the Morristown Mall. I checked in. I had the app. So it was very quick. I say as soon as I walked up to the door, probably took me a total of 15 minutes to get all the way through to get my shot. The staff was very friendly. The National Guard was down there. They were helping out. Some FEMA employees were helping out. And then the regular hospital employees were helping out. It was in the <laughs> a sign of the times, right? A sign of the times was it was in the hollowed out makeup area of the former Lord and Taylor department store in that mall because you know retail is dying in 2021 the 20s are starting off odd in this country I thought the 20s would be roaring maybe I was excited because I was too infatuated with the old jazz 20s of the 1900s in the 20th century I thought the 21st century might have something cool but no so far we're starting off horrible but anyway I go in it's dead retail so it's carved out of the old Lord and Taylor department store in the makeup section but it's huge, so there's there's plenty of room to set up the lines. It was very efficient. There were National Guard personnel in there, FEMA personnel, uh, nurses from the virtual health system. It was very quick. I got the injection very quickly. It was easy. I sat down for observation. I was told that I could register for the second shot on my app. I did it. I'm going back to 28th. It was very easy. Walked to the exit, got my little vaccination card that I got to fill out at home, left, Wound up going down to Camden, New Jersey. Camden, New Jersey, a dope little city in South Jersey. Got to chill out. The flowers are blooming. They got some cherry blossoms blooming. Went to Donkey's Place, which is a famous, as featured on Anthony Bourdain's show, cheesesteak spot where they put the cheesesteaks on hard rolls, poppy seed hard rolls instead of sub rolls. And I'll tell you, it was very good. Got to chill with the staff and then uh, asked some nice gentlemen on the street where I could find some black and mild cigars. He told me right across the street at the little store with the hot dogs, went in there, got a black and mild pack, had a black and mild, headed back up the turnpike, and the rest is history. Beautiful day, beautiful thing. So I'm glad I got my vaccine. I did it, A, so that I could get into places. B, because I don't want to catch one of these new variants that's coming out. If you've been paying attention to the news, there's new variants in Brazil where younger people, due to the new variant in Brazil, younger people are getting more sick they're rising in hospital admissions. They're dying more frequently. It's spreading quicker. And there's a real concern with the variants as is coming out of Brazil. And now the variants are here. So I want to be protected against the variants. More importantly, I don't want to infect family members. And more importantly, I want to be able to go to ball games and chill and go to concerts and bars. And if I have that vaccination card, I feel like it's going to be easier for me. I have a little bit of arm soreness, I'll be honest with you. Not much at all. I had, it was a little sore starting last night. This morning, the soreness lingered a little bit, and it's almost completely gone now. Maybe that's because I already had it. I don't have much soreness at all in the arm. It's not a big deal for me. But I see a lot of people 
spreading misinformation about the vaccine. Now people are saying that. I even saw something as crazy as somebody said DMX. DMX is <laughs> some meme said DMX's family says he didn't do any drugs, but he actually got the COVID vaccine recently. And that's why he's uh, in the hospital. Now, look, I'm a huge X fan. I grew up with X. X has always been an inspiration. He's always been an artist that I've vibed with, that has inspired me, that I rock with on in more than one way. But the fact is, X has always self-admittedly had a drug problem. And only a couple of years ago, he robbed somebody out right out here in Newark on McCarter Highway at a gas station. So the dude has always had issues. So this is just an example of some of the craziness that's out there regarding the vaccine. And I, I recently saw a there was an article um, and it was in the New York Times. And it was an article regarding the fact that the misinformation and the apprehension regarding the vaccine for COVID is so high and it's such an issue that one-third of our armed services members, one-third of our armed services members have refused and have elected not to take the COVID-19 vaccine. One-third of our armed men and women in the, in the armed forces have said they will not take the vaccine. And some of the other statistics that came out of that was that at Fort Bragg, for instance, less than 50% at Fort Bragg, less than 50% of the personnel at Fort Bragg are actually going to get the vaccine. Less than 50% at one of our biggest bases are going to get the vaccine. Enlisted people were far more likely than officers to say they don't want the vaccine. That's not necessarily surprising. In order to be an officer, you've got to go to college. You've got to be college educated. Enlisteds don't. I'm not disparaging enlisted members of the armed forces in any way at all. Uh, they sacrifice. They do a, a job that we all uh, need them to do and should be grateful for. But the fact is, there's an astounding number of enlisted personnel who are not getting the vaccine. The article cited uh, one of the reasons people are not getting the vaccine in discussing it with people who refuse was you know, information online. And how long have we been discussing misinformation online? And how long have we been discussing the harm that it brings, the conspiracy theories and the constant nonsense that's regurgitated online? Now it's hitting us in our armed forces. And that's a real problem because the article in the New York Times went into the fact that China and Russia are huge players and are, are, are in huge ways responsible for the pro proliferation of the misinformation and that they've purposefully engaged in this misinformation campaign in order to weaken the United States. And what better way to weaken the United States than to encourage the men and women of our armed forces not to receive the vaccine? And the article rightfully pointed out that as we are trying to make technological advances with regard to our defense systems, and as we are attempting to um, further uh, advance ourselves uh, with regard to new technologies, and especially with regard to defending ourselves against you know, pandemics and other challenges and threats to our national security, it's quite alarming that China and Russia may maintain an advantage over us in things like misinformation online.
And if for perhaps, say Fort Bragg, with over 50% of the personnel not vaccinated, say the people at Fort Bragg with over 50% not vaccinated, our men and women in uniform, were to catch COVID-19 and it were to circulate in that base, or with one third of our uniformed officers, not officers, but uniformed personnel not getting the vaccine, largely enlisted, not officers. That's the people, the boots on the ground, so to speak. The people executing the operations were to catch COVID-19, several were to die, and several were to be quarantined and incapacitated. That could put us at a huge, huge disadvantage in terms of our capabilities to defend ourselves. So this pervasive disinformation campaign, as it proliferates and as it is largely proliferated by China and Russia, is, you know, exemplified in how harmful it can be to the country and to our society in the ways that it's impacted our national uh, armed services. With that in mind, too, I'd like to discuss just the general misinformation and the vaccination misinformation that's out there. Another... Another study that I saw this week regarding COVID and the vaccination was it was in Time magazine. And this was Time magazine was reporting on a study that was recently conducted from Stony Brook University. And uh, Rachel Kidman was the name of the professor that uh, conducted this study. And, And look, you know me, I'm all about numbers, I'm all about dollars and cents, and so I have to be candid here and, and tell you that this was largely based on a model. The model was derived from the actual statistics of deaths, death rates uh, from COVID-19, but th- there's a lack of specificity with regard to the actual statistics of who died, um, what race they were, if they had children, if they didn't. So a, l- a lot of this was model-based. But the model was derived from hard statistics. So what this study found, which was even was another troubling statistic, was that for every 13 deaths that occurred from COVID, every 13 people who died of COVID, one child, one child was bereaved of a parent, meaning for every 13 COVID deaths, a child lost a parent. And some children lost more than one parent. And one of the things that I'm always talking about on this show, and I know, look, maybe I'm pounding too hard. I'm going too much with this. And this seems to be a recurring theme on the show. And maybe it's because, you know, despite my criticisms of modern activism and my criticisms of the way that activism has manifested in some ways is more of a trend-based narrative following uh, situation as opposed to true activism at root. Maybe the fact is I really am an actual activist and I actually, you know, criticize those narratives because I, I'm interested in actual change and actual activism that will actually move the needle on issues that are important that will actually get us across the finish line to where we want to go as a society. So if I'm harping on this, I apologize. But as usual, I continuously discuss the racial disparities and the racial inequities in this country 
And when I discuss those inequities, I, I usually refrain from going all in on some of the narratives. And I refrain from going all in on some of the more hashtag oriented trend line narratives. And I'm constantly pointing out that, you know, for instance, this hyper partisan focus on the judicial system or policing, which I will get to later in the show. But this hyper focus on that, there, there's a hyper focus on it, one symptom, but one symptom of a poor country, right? And, and the focus on the symptom is an easy way to avoid attacking the underlying disease. And that's a common theme that has organically kind of permeated through this show week to week because I think it's a foundational principle of my core beliefs in my activism. So perhaps it permeates the show. But it's the truth, and I, I firmly believe in this theory that there is a pervasive underlying poisoned root that, that manifests itself in a number of systems. The discrepancies in the judicial system and in criminal justice are but one symptom of a large and pervasive um, disease. And so to discuss that in the, in the vein of COVID and COVID vaccinations, one of the things that this Time magazine uh, report referenced in this Stony Brook study was that while African-American children comprise only 13, about 13% of the United States population, African-American children um, were the victims, were 20% of the children who had parent deaths due to COVID. So only 13% of the population, but 20% of children who have parents who have died of COVID. Even more alarming with regard to the racial disparity. 23% of children in this country are being reared by one parent and reside in one parent household. It's 23% nationally. But 62% 62% of single-parent households, 62% of single-parent households are African-American children. 62%. So the disparities here are enormous. Enormous. 62% of all children in single-parent households are African-American, but only 23% total. Further... Further, African-American children, African-American children are much more likely, based on this Stony Brook study, to being raised by grandparents. And 80% of COVID deaths have been elderly people. So this vaccination question... And the fact that we need to continue to get people vaccinated and the fact that we need to fight misinformation and disinformation regarding COVID is manifesting itself in more than just the fact that, okay, everybody needs to get, you know, vaccinated so we can attain herd immunity, so that we can go to ball games, so that we can go to bars, so that we can return to normal, so that the economy can recover. Some of it also has to do with our national defense. 
And some of it also has to do with, again, the racial disparities. And again, those racial disparities evince what I'm talking about. That the inequality that manifests itself initially in housing discrepancies, educational discrepancies, economic opportunity discrepancies, has a insidious way of manifesting itself in other aspects like the judicial system, like the medical system, etc. And it's just interesting. So I encourage everybody out there to research, do their due diligence on the vaccine, get vaccinated, encourage those around you to get vaccinated. I got it. It was no big deal. It is a it's imperative that we do it for the country, for society and for those most vulnerable. Now, moving past that, moving past that. And just so you guys know, look. I do my research, I do a little outline, you know, to try to make sure I'm touching all the important points and try to make sure I have a general theme. You know, if I make time, I make time for all of you because I value all of you because you guys are intellectual thinkers who want to spread the, the correct information throughout your local social circle. And I'm doing the same. If I make time for you, it means a lot. So that's what I'm doing. Anyway, the other latest news that was out this week was it was really wasn't this week it was today joe biden with this gun situation he released executive orders on guns and of course we had opposition from the republican party but what else is new you hear the song right now playing here for a reason you hear it see this song is called what you see is what you get by the dramatics what you see is what you get by the dramatics now why is this relevant because what i say and what you see with me is what you get but it seems like politicians especially on the right in the republican party today are just full of crap and they're just playing games are they really here to govern are they here to get things done are they here to just be nonsense spinners and to try to just sidestep any meaningful reform here's what happened with biden today He issued executive orders on guns. And here's another song that's relevant. Check out the lyrics. Now look, I might have some smooth vibes, but I plot the songs accordingly to the subject matter once in a while. I'm getting, there's levels to this, okay? But look, Biden issued executive orders today. What he said was, Number one, he wants uh, to direct members of his administration to target ghost guns. And for those who don't know what ghost guns are, ghost guns are essentially they're guns that are people can build themselves. Uh, the material can be widely available. People can manufacture these guns themselves. They are untraceable. They don't have serial numbers on many of the components. They can be used to, to kill people. They can be used to harm oneself. And they are becoming more of a problem. In all candor, I, I, I speak from my experience sometimes. I haven't recovered many ghost guns. It hasn't been something that I've seen regularly, but it is a problem. So he directed his administration to target ghost guns. Uh, one of the things he wanted to do was some of the components that you can use to make a ghost gun at home. He wants some of those components to contain serial numbers, right? Some of the components of the guns that could be used to manufacture the gun at home, he wants to make those components 
uh, traceable via serial numbers. I think that makes some sense. Uh, and I, I didn't even think of that, but it makes some sense to me. Um, he wanted to uh, set up kind of a model red flag law um, blueprint so that different states could follow the red flag law blueprint in order to implement their own red flag laws in their respective states. Now, what a red flag law is, is it essentially enables a family member or a an associate of an individual who owns a gun to essentially raise a red flag, so to speak, with the authorities so that the weapons of an individual that they deem are at-risk individual, so that the authorities can take and confiscate their firearms for a certain time period in order to uh, mitigate the risk that they will harm themselves or harm someone else with that gun. Now, various states have various iterations of the red flag law. Now, you'll remember that last show, I talked about uh, New Jersey's gun laws and New Jersey's access to gun laws. And one of the things I mentioned was that in order to even get a permit to even purchase a gun in New Jersey, you need uh, several people to profess on a in written form with a signature that they believe you are somebody who's suitable to own a weapon. And that is a preemptive thing in New Jersey. Not only does New Jersey have that, but we have red flag laws in place where if you are uh, the subject of a domestic violence restraining order or some other, quote, red flag is raised upon you, your guns can be confiscated. Now, this goes through a process, right? This isn't just something where they just take them on the, on a whim. Every state has a different procedure, but you have to go before a judge. A judge makes a final determination. It's based on different evidentiary standards, different uh, standards for, for witnesses, et cetera, et cetera. I think red flag laws make a lot of sense. They've been shown to prevent suicides. I'm sure that if you know somebody saw indicators from somebody who which would make them an at-risk individual to harm themselves or others, it'd be useful a useful mechanism for the government to step in and take the gun before they're able to use that gun to harm themselves or others. I think it makes a lot of sense. And finally, and this is this is maybe what I thought was the most interesting aspect of Biden's proposed gun reform uh, agenda that, that came out today. It was he directed individuals in his administration to specifically research, target, and draw up a report regarding the trafficking of weapons. Now, it's interesting. I mean, look, I think I kind of read a lot of what different people's sentiments are with regard to these issues and also some of the people that, you know, are in positions share my sentiments because if you have a good handle on where gun violence is occurring what the problems are with gun violence then you're able to have a real good grasp on how to how to fight it and where the fight is and i've long said that the fight's really handguns obtained illegally because gun laws are too lenient in other areas and so trafficking proliferates and gets guns into inner city areas where largely the victims of gun violence are handgun victims and they are largely people of color and they are largely in urban areas. 
I said that was the main focus. Now, interestingly, President Biden, when he put out these executive orders this week, he directed his agency to research gun trafficking specifically with an eye toward curbing gun violence in urban areas. And he said that if we were serious about curbing gun violence in general, that we would look at illegal gun trafficking and curb the violence in the inner cities. And even more interesting to that, after my show two weeks ago, the mayor of Newark actually posted on Facebook that gun crime was an epidemic, that it was a disease, and that it was most pervasive in the inner cities with handguns, which is what I had just said on my podcast the night before. And now I read today that Mayor Baraka of Newark actually traveled to D.C. today to hear and participate in Biden's gun announcement. So this really is gaining some traction. And I have to admit, I'm impressed because usually politicians, I'm always incensed with them. I always have gripes with them. I always feel like they're missing the point just to, you know, partake in the common narrative. And I'm always complaining about that. It's always an issue. But look, it truly seems like they are actually going to address gun violence where it matters, where it makes the biggest impact. And people are taking note to the point that the Newark mayor went to the announcement on guns because they are truly fingers crossed. They are going to truly try to tackle this problem legitimately and attack it where it's most pervasive. And I'm looking forward to it. So I thought this announcement today with those specific, you know, benchmarks was a a good idea. I really do. And, and that's interesting, Daniel, if you want to elaborate on that in the comments or or even give a call later, I mean, that would be, I'd appreciate that because I'm not familiar with that particular issue. Um, look, he came out later, talked about assault weapons again. You know my stance on types of gun. I don't think it's uh, pragmatic. I don't think it's going to get us anywhere. But he can say what he wants. I think the executive orders are really pretty interesting. And I thought they were they were targeted, and I thought they made a lot of sense. Now, of course, <laughs> back to my griping about politicians. And guys, feel free to comment. But I like how – thanks, Daniel, for commenting. Um, you know, comment here. we got to get some buzz going, get some, get some talking. Here. But – um. Um, of course, both sides are have to find something to complain about with these executive orders. So, you know, obviously you have uh, McCarthy on the right, Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader. Of course, he railed against these saying Biden was trampling the Second Amendment. And does he have to be so melodramatic about it? Trample? Is he really trampling the Second Amendment by talking about uh, ghost guns? And by talking about, you know, drunk gun trafficking and talking about red flag laws, is he trampling the Second Amendment really with this common sense stuff that would help us? Is he really trampling the Second Amendment? It's just absurd. But then you had on the left, on the left, you had the liberals. They're they're mad because they said Biden hasn't made gun control. Hasn't made gun control enough of a priority early on in his administration. He hasn't made it enough of a priority, according to liberals. They are not happy. Meanwhile, the guy's been in office, what, a couple months? Three months? 
He passed the COVID-19 relief bill. The only thing missing that liberals wanted was the $15 minimum wage. He's got infrastructure on the horizon. I was going to break down infrastructure and really get into infrastructure. But I'm not going to do it tonight because there's not enough time. But I'll get into it next week. And when we're closer to the law actually passing, I'll get into infrastructure. But my goodness, they're not sad. They'll find anything to be pissed off about. And the right, you know, again, is this the party of just do nothing? I'm going to get into a little bit more about the right in a minute when I talk about a couple other issues. But, you know, despite the fact that that it seemed like McConnell might actually be leaning toward maybe being somewhat pragmatic and maybe listening a little bit, when it seemed like Democrats, you know, weren't going to get rid of the filibuster because they hoped to have some actual bipartisan support, you know, you thought, you did, you thought maybe, maybe, maybe we can cross this you know, stalemate in this country. Maybe we could get something done. But it seems like the Republicans are not interested in anything. These common sense executive orders. See, they could have said what Daniel said, right? They could have said, well, look, I actually don't have a problem with most of what you're saying, Mr. President. But this, the braces issue, that's a problem. We got to talk about that. I'm, I don't agree with that. It's going to put civilians at risk, going to put people at risk. But everything else I get, let's, let's work on this. They could have done that, couldn't they? But they didn't do that. They're just saying he's trampling on the Second Amendment. And liberals, instead of saying, oh, this is good steps forward, we got to defend this in court, they're saying he's not doing enough. What do you want him to do? How many things can you, one person do incrementally? Jeez. Jeez. And I'm glad you love this song, Siren. This is one of, I love this song, too. It's a dope song. And if it fits in the flow of the playlist here. So I'm glad you like it. But, you know, there's always a misunderstanding, too, with liberals and with different parties. And that's one other thing I wanted to bring up today, because there's this other news story going on uh, and it it involves the border. And I, I just don't understand what people don't understand. Right. Ever since this border crisis took root at the southern border and now it's a new and now there's new controversy because Biden's president and they want to talk about the border once again because Biden's president and yada, yada, yada. When Trump instituted the border policy and there was an outcry regarding the border policy. And and while I'm on the subject of Trump very quickly, I meant to do this in the vaccine conversation. But really quick, Trump deserved. Now, when Trump came out initially after the vaccines had been developed, he proclaimed that. He deserved credit and that Operation Warp Speed would be a a good operation. It would help to get vaccines into people's arms rapidly. And he took a lot of credit for Operation Warp Speed. And I was one of the people who came out and said Operation Warp Speed. He deserves credit for that. He didn't make a political statement in that particular speech. He stuck to the facts and he just highlighted the Operation Warp Speed plan. Um... Now Biden is proceeding with vaccinating people, relying heavily on the infrastructure put in place by Trump and Operation Warp Speed. Of course, I got attacked by liberals for saying that. They were saying, how dare you say that? You know, (laughs) Operation Warp Speed didn't create the vaccine. The vaccine was created privately. And I understand the vaccine was created privately. 
but the infrastructure for getting the vaccine out to people was Operation Warp Speed. And Biden is doing a very good job of using that to ramp up vaccinations. And it's working great. So before I get into this border conversation with the misunderstandings and the nuances and the political bullshit, I just want to say Trump does deserve credit for the fact that we are getting vaccinated at this rate. And Operation Warp Speed has been a success with regard to that. But that being said, that being said, this border issue is another issue where it seems both sides are not satisfied, but both sides just... I don't understand the perpetual confusion by everybody on every issue. The border policy, when Trump started doing it, there were these memes and there were these narratives out there that it's the same thing Obama did. Obama built the cages. Trump is just using the cages. And now that there's a border crisis again with all these you know, children coming across the border and they're being housed in these facilities and these facilities are overcrowded and Biden's no different than Trump. And where's the outrage? And I'll be honest with you, the right's always using this as a way to attack Biden to say, you know, look what he did. Same as Trump. How dare you criticize Trump and not look at what your own people are doing? But then the liberals... The liberals are buying into it because then they're saying, yep, he's just another corporate Democrat and blah, blah, blah. And I even saw AOC and I'm not a fan of AOC, really, but AOC came out trying to explain the border crisis. And I saw liberals on Facebook this week saying, you know, even AOC is a corporate Democrat now. And I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> What's the disconnect, guys? The, I've explained this border situation before, but I'll do it again briefly, just because I feel like every issue has this confusion, and every side wants to pile on, because if it's not completely what they want, and the optics aren't completely what they want, then they'll feed into the narrative, even if the narrative is false. The border situation was, look, Obama built the cages, quote-unquote, because in the event that adults and children cross the border from Mexico, and there was actual suspicion, actual suspicion that the children were being the victims of human trafficking, then they would separate the children for a set amount of time and separate the adult in order to ascertain whether or not they were being trafficked. Now, this is the, the thing with law that I want people to understand. I'm an attorney and, and I work in government. and This is how law works. You, you create a law. And then people will try to interpret the law for their benefit, either positively, negatively. They'll try to expand the law or minimize the law or target the law or distinguish the law in a way that benefits what they're trying to accomplish. And every law is, uh, is availed to this type of technique because it's just common sense. It's the way things work. It's the way our system works as handled, handed down from English common law. The law was on the books that children could be separated from adults, but Obama only used it and intended it to be used in situations where there was an actual suspicion of human trafficking. What Trump did and his administration did was they said, well, this law is on the books. This law allows us to separate children at the border. It doesn't matter that it was primarily utilized to separate children that we thought might be being trafficked. We are going to use it categorically. We are going to use it every single time any child comes across the border, even if it's clear as day that the parents are the, the, the people they're with are the parents of the children. 
Even if it's clear as day that they're not being trafficked, we're going to use that law as a general deterrent. We are going to use that law just to separate the kids from the parents in order to have a zero tolerance policy at the border in order to deter people from trying to come across. That was what the outrage was with Trump. So this idea that it was the same as Obama is not true, although there is some common thread of truth in the fact that the law was on the books for Obama. But you see where the discrepancy was. okay? And eventually, after public pressure, Trump stopped doing that. Now, with Biden, he's not using the law the way that Trump used it. He's not using the law as a way to categorically disenfranchise children and, and categorically deter families from crossing the border by categorically separating children from their parents. That's not what Trump's doing. I mean, Biden's doing. What Biden, now what's happened is you got to be fair. Now a lot of parents are dropping their kids off to go across and a lot of young adults, adolescents, 16, 17, are crossing themselves because people are opportunistic. Just like Trump was opportunistic in using Obama's law to exploit it to harm these families, people trying to cross the border are opportunistic too. And they see that Biden's going to be more lenient at the border. And because Biden's going to be more lenient at the border, they are trying to utilize that by sending kids over themselves and adolescents trying to go over, etc. because they think there'll be a catch and release policy. And Biden's not going to do anything about it, but he's got a crisis. He's got to house some of these people. He's got to see that they're here for the right reasons. He's got to process them. So there's a surge at the border because people see the opportunity and there's nothing that the border patrol and Biden administration can do. They have to house these people for the time being. But when they house these people for the time being, there's going to be overcrowding in these facilities. So you see the media narratives. The liberals are outraged. How dare you house these kids? And the conservatives are saying, see, he's no different than Trump. In reality, it's a different situation. But no one ever wants to deal with the nuance in politics. No one ever wants to deal with the truth. They want to play games. So just like this outrage from McCarthy's trampling on the Second Amendment. Just like the liberals, he's not making gun control enough of an agenda. I want everything banned. You see this with the border. Same thing. Oh, he's doing the same thing. And other people saying he's not doing enough. I mean, would liberals really want us to just have an open border? Some of them would, I guess. Just open the borders. Let anybody in. That's ridiculous. But the conservatives saying Biden would have an open border, I guess they're wrong because he's housing plenty of people in the facilities. So he obviously doesn't have an open border, which is why the liberals are so pissed. Anyway, look, I got to say, I'm impressed with Biden with the gun executive orders because it's very moderate. It's very common sense. It's actually attacking the epidemic of gun violence on the streets and trafficking instead of just targeting a type of weapon. I like it. I'm a little encouraged. Dare I say I'm encouraged, and I can't wait to talk about infrastructure next week. I can't. I can't wait to do it. But there's all these misunderstandings, and it seems like these parties will consistently, and these factions, and these ideologues will constantly try to, to dig into something and make it more than it is and confuse everybody. And confuse everybody. And it's just where we are in this society. And it's, it's a joke. And, and that, with that being said, I don't want to be, you know, I'll be equal and I'll give it to both sides when both sides deserve it. But let's be honest. 
Since Biden's got in, to be honest, to be flat out honest, the guy has honestly really been pretty even-handedly moderate like he's always been. He's really been pretty even-handedly moderate. And he's tried to court Republican support. And he's tried. He didn't get rid of the filibuster. He's trying. But it seems like some of the stuff from the Republican Party at this juncture are just disingenuous. And I gotta wonder. You know, Democrats didn't support the Trump tax cuts, okay? But they supported the COVID-19 relief bill. They supported that because they understood that it was a common cause that they could get behind. And, you know, I wonder, are the Republicans, is the Republican Party in its current iteration in this country, is it ever going to govern again in a bipartisan fashion? Are they ever going to work across the aisle ever again? Because with this gun executive, for instance, they could have found common ground and found disputable ground and worked on it, but he's he's on pontificating about the Second Amendment. And when you talk about infrastructure, they're, they're saying they're going to stonewall it already. And then when you talk about COVID-19 relief, they try to stonewall that. Are they ever going to get real? When you talk about the border situation, they just want to point out the nonsense. And, and, and here's what I'm going to segue into with that. These Georgia voting laws... This was another big topic the last couple of weeks. This the Georgia voting laws were another big topic the last week. Now, to be fair, a lot of the things that were initially proposed in those laws never passed. So this outrage saying it was the biggest, you know, most restrictive law ever are not necessarily accurate. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. They intended for the law to target a certain group of people. Make no mistake, the law was, in fact, retaliation for Georgia, A, voting for Biden in the presidential election, and B, for the Senate runoffs, which wound up two Democrats getting Senate seats, which tipped the balance in the Senate, which enables Democrats to even broach the idea of infrastructure, even broach the idea of anything resembling gun control or anything of that nature. Now, I'll talk about gun, I mean, uh, infrastructure more next week when we get into the infrastructure bill. And and a lot of it depends on the parliamentarian and how the parliamentarian is going to rule and uh, whether the Democrats can get it passed. But, you know, Republicans seem as though at this stage of their iteration as a party and at this stage in history is they seem like a party who is intent on simply obstructing anything that's not 100 percent what they want. They are not open to compromise. They're just going to obstruct. And you saw it with the gun laws, but then, you know, with this Georgia voting law, with this Georgia voting law, one of the first proposals, now this didn't make it into the bill. Thank God it didn't make it into the bill. But one of the first proposals as part of this bill was to restrict or ban Sunday voting as part of early voting, to just outright ban Sunday voting. Everybody knows that African-Americans make it a, a an event after church many times. After church many times. To, you know, go vote. So 
it didn't make it into the final bill, but if you're in any way questioning whether this bill was, you know, the common, again, narrative, and I hate narratives, you know I hate narratives. The narrative is that it's a, a voter security bill, an election security bill. And thank you for pointing that out. They didn't even try to deny it was revenge for the last election. Thank you for pointing that out. It's so true. You can't deny it. You can't. Thank you for the contribution. Thank you for pointing. It's true. You said what I was going to say and not so many, maybe in a lot more words. But they tried to ban early Sunday voting. All right. They they call it the Election Integrity Act of 2021, but they are restricting now ballot boxes to drop ballot boxes. They have to be inside. They can't be anywhere. They've got to be at specific locations. They're not sending ballots out to anybody, only people who request the ballots. You're going to have to have witnesses and reasons why you need an absentee ballot. And you cannot give water or food to people who are waiting in line to vote. Look, these are all restrictive voting measures to retaliate for Republicans taking losses in the last election. And not only are they retaliatory in nature, but they're more evincive of what I was just saying a minute ago. In the, it, it seems as though Republicans are not interested in, in contributing to the dialogue. They are not interested in engaging in compromise to have their say in problem-solving legislation. And Devo, you're right. What they are interested in is I'm not going to budge on my stance. I'm going to continue to obstruct. And while I'm obstructing, I'm going to try to change the rules. I'm going to try to change the rules so that no one else can get in power, so that I can win with a rigged system. And it's so ironic because they're the ones claiming the erection was rigged and it was you know, fraudulent and all this abuse happened, but look what they're doing. They're actively in front of our faces, insidiously, atrociously trying to restrict democracy and rig the election to help them. They are not interested in participating. They are only interested in restricting. And in a democracy, I find it egregious that they are trying to restrict voting in Georgia. They are also trying to take more power away from the secretary of state and county officials and place more power in the legislature, which is just a way of saying they're trying to that they didn't like how the Georgia election went down with the secretary of state standing his ground and doing his job. So they're going to try to find a way that they can take his power and usurp his power and they can make decisions in the future if they don't like the way an election went. Interestingly. Interestingly, some of these voting laws in Georgia actually expand, expand voting access in rural counties in Georgia. So in rural counties where the, the legislatures in those counties were more apt to restrict voting due to their political culture, this bill has expanded access to voting in rural areas. But we all know where the long lines are, where people might need water. We all know who votes on Sunday, right? We all know who wants to drop something in the ballot box, but might not want to go into the building. And we all know who lives in rural America primarily, right? So this is what you have to look at when you look at these voting bills that come out. Again, this meme culture we live in, this narrative culture we live in. 
Everybody's posting, I need a license to drive, I need a license. Wanna... It's Look at what they do on this nuanced, you know, targeted level of specificity in these laws. Because you'll see what the intention is. They expand rural voting but restrict urban mechanisms to vote. There are reasons that they implement these laws, and there's reasons why they implement these laws. So Georgia is just another piece of evidence that the Republican Party is not interested in governing. And it's it's detrimental to the country. If you have one side of the political aisle just completely unwilling to govern, unwilling to contribute in a compromise when the other party is in power, it's detrimental to the country. And you know what's crazy? I live in Jersey. And in Jersey, we had ballot boxes everywhere. There was a ballot box right across the street from me in front of the county in City Hall and the county uh, Newark City Hall and the Newark Courthouse and by the federal courthouse, by the county buildings. There was a, a ballot boxes in front of the, the different city capitals in Essex County. And it worked out better for everybody. I, I'm going to vote early. Now, New Jersey expanded it. Now we could all vote early. I'm going to vote early every year just because it's easier. I can sign and fill up my ballot, put it in the ballot box a week early, two weeks early, and not even worry about it. It's better. Why wouldn't we want more people to vote if we truly care about the sentiments of the people and we truly care about collective decision making and we truly care about solving the problems that society wants to solve? Why would we ever try to restrict voting? The answer is easy. They don't want to participate. They don't want to govern. They don't want to move along into the 21st century any longer. And I don't blame them. 21st century kind of sucks in a lot of ways. But, geez, you've got to participate. you got to have new ideas. Daniel, who's on here, he's a conservative person in a lot of ways. But he's contributing new ideas. You know what's crazy? A lot of people say I'm liberal. I'm on the liberal side of the spectrum. Maybe I am. I'm an activist type person. I care a lot about racial justice. But if you listen to me on a daily basis and you listen to my actual ideas for attaining the justice that I seek, I have a lot of conservative oriented ideas. They're outside the box, but they're pow they they make sense to conservatives too. Not just liberals. There are conservative ideas that are great that could advance the cause, sometimes, I, in my opinion, better than liberal ideas. Better than liberal ideas. But, but this party, in its current iteration, just wants to be culturally Trumpism, culturally racially identified, culturally pounding the table against the coastal elites. And all they want to do is diminish, diminish the voter base and restrict the voter base instead of expanding the conversation. If they wanted to expand the conversation and introduce conservative ideas instead of trying to restrict the voter base as they're doing in Georgia, perhaps we would have a pragmatic and productive discussion in this country. Perhaps we would have a pragmatic way forward where we would be exchanging ideas and, and coming up with hybrid you know, solutions to our most pervasive problems. Again, with the gun executive orders today, 
there are reasons why perhaps the executive orders are deficient in some ways and a conservative could weigh in reasonably on that instead of just railing and pontificating that Biden's trampling the Second Amendment. But these Georgia voting laws are very, very troublesome because they evince what they're trying to do. And it's really, uh, you know, it's a problem. Are they are they going to try to govern or are they just going to sit here and obstruct the whole time? What about infrastructure? I mean, we need infrastructure improvements. Every time we talk about infrastructure, they just want to rail. Oh, it's going to cost too much money. Eventually, you got to make money. I mean, you got to put money in. You got to invest money, save money to make money later. How many of us? What are we? Oh, I'm not going to. You know, contribute to my 401k. I'm not going to buy a house because it's going to cost a lot of money. That 20 grand I got sitting in the bank, I don't want to put that on a down payment on a house. Forget the fact that it'll bring me more wealth later. I don't want to spend the money now. Who does that? No one does that. That's not how it works. We got to spend the money to invest in our infrastructure because China's kicking our ass and Europe's kicking our ass, just like they're doing with the misinformation that's infiltrating the, the minds of our troops and armed forces. They're kicking our ass with infrastructure. And these multinational corporations are getting away with huge tax breaks, but they're not contributing anything back into the country. And they're walking away like bandits. Meanwhile, our infrastructure is crumbling and they're taking their saved tax dollars and going investing in new headquarters and new operations in countries with much better infrastructure. It's a joke. It's a joke. They got to start contributing. You, you have a problem with tax rates. You think it hurts innovation? You're for business? Well, hell, if you're for business, tell us what businesses want in terms of infrastructure. What is the Chamber of Commerce looking for in terms of capital with our roads and transportation infrastructure? Contribute. There's conservative ideas that help, but all they're doing is obstructing. And quite frankly, I hope the MLB pulls the all-star game out of there. I hope they pull all kinds of shit out of Georgia because they should be punished for this ridiculous. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. And the other thing that bothers me is like Kemp, the governor of Georgia and the secretary of state, they took so much shit from Trump. He openly tried to attack them. He tried to, to bribe them, essentially. He tried to threaten them into swinging the election his way. And yet they turn around and still pass this law. It's like... I could never do it. I could never just keep getting kicked in the ass by somebody and smacked around by somebody and then turn around and do that person's bidding. Eventually, I'd be like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an independent intellectual thinker, and I'm not going to sit here and take this anymore and deal with this. And I'd go my own way. But I guess it's just the way of things. And it's sad. But look. On the one hand, I've been doing this for over a year now with you guys. On the one hand, I'm encouraged because I think this administration is actually trying to be pragmatic on some issues that we've long needed solutions on. On the other hand, I see the common narrative nonsense, and I guess that's just politics, right? I guess that's just what politicians do, and that's how things are spun. And people in the general public, unfortunately, don't do a great job of educating themselves and informing themselves. We try to do it on this show and we exchange a lot of ideas and, and that's a good thing. But too many people don't and, it, and it's a problem. So they're, they're more um, susceptible to these narratives and they're more susceptible to these nonsensical things that politicians spin out to try to advance their own agendas and their own power uh, while being largely disingenuous. And it's a shame. So I, look, I'm encouraged by what we're doing. I'm encouraged that we seem to have some steady leadership. I'm encouraged that the economy's rebounding. I'm encouraged that the vaccines are getting out very well. And that, again, 
Trump owes, you know, deserves a lot of credit for that. And that's another, why are we fighting over that? Like I see all these conservative commentators, you better thank Trump for that Biden. You better thank Trump and all these liberal commentators saying, oh, it had nothing to do with Trump because he didn't fund the actual vaccine from the private company. Guys, why are we fighting? Look, Biden, you're doing a good job of utilizing that infrastructure to get the vaccine out. Trump, good job on putting it together. Everybody who participated, good job. We're Americans. We're doing the right thing. Let's just be real and stop fighting over everything. But I digress. I continue to digress as Ahmad Jamal is now playing in the background. And, I, you know, I can tell by way where I structure my music. If I'm going a little longer, if I'm going a little short, I'm going a little longer. And I apologize for that. But I wanted to get in as many things as I could re- with regard to the latest news. And I wanted to get in as many things as I could with regard to current events and things that people might be interested in this week. And I know I took last week off because of the holiday, so I wanted to touch on as many things as I could. And I know we didn't get to the infrastructure yet. I'll get to that next week. But one other huge, huge looming current event that's all over the news every day. And when I listen to the news in the morning, I mean, that's one of the main things that comes up. And so I would be remiss if I didn't touch on it and discuss it is the the Derek Chauvin trial. That is huge right now. And I mean, it's looming over everything. I mean, last summer, about a year ago, we had the massive protests because people had seen the video of George Floyd being murdered and they had seen how terrible it was. And so it ignited this huge, huge outlet of activism and protest. And it's led us to where we are, where we've been, unfortunately. And this trial's been raging, and so I just wanted to touch on some of the issues, and I wanted to generally discuss criminal trials. And I I don't think, you know, I've seen a lot of commentary on the internet. Essentially, you know, there's people out here who, who, they seem to, to basically be putting forth the idea that well, look, we all saw it with our own eyes. It's murder. I don't want to hear anything else. The fact we even have to discuss it, the fact that it's even got to go to a jury and to be pondered is worthless. And I don't want to hear anything else. It's just guilty. And if not guilty, then the entire system's corrupt, needs to be torn down, et cetera, et cetera. I don't disagree that Chauvin's guilty. And I think the prosecution, if you've watched this so far... The prosecution has done an excellent job so far. I mean, the evidence they've put on has been excellent. The defense, their cross-examinations, and I'll be honest, I haven't sat and watched it every day because I've been working and things. But I've, I've, I've gotten reports at the end of the day. I've heard from others who've watched it. I mean, I've read about it. The prosecution is doing a very good job. Their witnesses are doing a very good job. They are building the case the way you should. And the defense has struggled a bit to really poke holes in the prosecution's case. And I just wanted to discuss, you know, I don't think people really understand what goes into a criminal trial in this country. And and the reason that it's structured the way it is is because primarily we are concerned people... Liberal activists today would disagree, but they wouldn't, many of them wouldn't have had to deal with the system in certain ways. You know, they, they think it's, they wouldn't agree that it's it's set up to make it very hard to convict somebody. And look, I understand the inequities in this country and the way that things have manifested, 
in certain communities, especially when you exclude certain members of the community from being on the jury, then the jury can be stacked against the defendant. And we've had unjust verdicts throughout our history. I'm not disputing that. But the fact is that the way that our system is structured, it makes it quite difficult, quite difficult to get convictions in criminal cases. Let me explain to you that when you are trying to get a conviction in a criminal case, you have the highest evidentiary standard. What that means is, like, for instance, the OJ trial, a lot of people don't understand how could OJ get off in the criminal trial but then be found guilty in the civil trial and had to pay money to the victim's families. Well, the reason is that the standards of evidence are different, and people don't, I don't think, have a really good grasp on this. In a civil trial, the standard is a preponderance of the evidence, okay? And in a criminal trial, the standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, that means nothing really when you're just saying it. But the truth is, what a preponderance of the evidence in a civil trial means is that the jury has to find that it's more likely than not, more likely than not, that it happened. So it's more likely than not that he did it. I mean, I think it's pretty likely. If, if you're 55 to 45% that he did it, well, then it's guilty. And you only need seven jurors, and it could be six to one, a vote, that eh, six people said more likely than not, one person doesn't think so, so what? They still, they still you know, convict. Fine. In a criminal trial, guys, that's not the standard. The standard in a criminal trial is beyond a reasonable doubt. That means when you have a reasonable doubt, like, ah, this could have happened, I don't know. You've got to be sure beyond that doubt, beyond that doubt, there's no reasonable doubt in your mind that they're guilty. No reasonable doubt. Now, when they say reasonable, they just mean doesn't mean any doubt. You can't say, well, I just think aliens flew in and did it. Therefore, no, it has to be reasonable doubt. But it's still a very high evidentiary standard. It's the highest evidentiary standard we have in our system beyond a reasonable doubt. Almost beyond a doubt. Not quite, but almost beyond a doubt. And not only that, you have 12 jurors in criminal cases. 12 jurors. And not like a civil case where you got to convince six to one or whatever. 12 jurors that all have to agree. Every single one of the 12 people, all 12 people from different backgrounds, ages, genders, perspectives, everything, they all have to agree that they are all beyond a reasonable doubt that it happened. It sounds like it's not that hard, but it's one of the hardest things to do is to convince 12 people to go beyond a reasonable doubt to find somebody guilty when the lawyer on the other side is doing everything in their power to poke a hole and give the juror that doubt. It is very difficult to do that. Okay? Now, we can barely get five people to agree on an issue in this chat. We can barely get two people to agree on a Facebook post. It's got to be four, uh, uh, 12 people, 12 people, 
I'm not saying that to say this case isn't strong. I think Chauvin hopefully will get convicted. I think the prosecution's doing a great job. I think Chauvin is guilty, personally. I'm just trying to say this. People out here saying, you know, here, here's here, so here's let me let's talk about the case a little bit. So we've had several police experts testify to the fact that the force used by Chauvin was excessive force. It was not you know, force that was deemed acceptable by common police tactics. It was not force that was deemed acceptable um, by the department. And so he was outside the realm of what was acceptable force, outside of the realm of acceptable force. Now, there, there, now there doesn't always need to be, good question, there doesn't always need to be evidence of intent. Sometimes recklessness qualifies right so you might intend to hurt somebody or kill somebody or etc and that might be an element of a certain crime but other times you might act in a way that's so reckless that you should have known it could hurt somebody or kill somebody and that's a different standard and that's what i was about to get to which is there are different degrees that chauvin is charged with and people might i don't know how it's going to turn out but people assume that because of the video, it's going to be number one. There's a lot that goes into a criminal trial. It, in Law and & Order and in the movies and in the old shows, it's always this theatric thing where you just, you know, you, 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 you give a great speech and some witness breaks down on the stand and tells you everything you want to know. And there's some huge revelation and it's clear to everybody like it is in a, in a drama, in a film that it's just evident. Everybody knows what the truth is. But in real court, in real court, it's so much more nuanced and specific and detailed. The jurors aren't sitting there waiting for some huge revelation. See, the people at home are going to focus on the bystander that says, he kneeled on his neck, he was crying for help, it traumatized me. That's moving from a personal perspective, and that's moving for all of us watching at home. But in court... The jurors are going to get instructions, and I don't know if they're going to televise the jury instructions. I bet not. But jury instructions are this usually an hour long, but in this type of case might be several hours long process. The lawyers fight about it for weeks leading up to the jury instructions. The judge goes into a closed session with the jury, and he reads these specified you know, specific, just painstaking, detailed, nuanced jury instructions which go through every little nuanced, minute element of every facet of the crime that needs to be proved in every way they can find and everything they need to do to link the action with the result. And it's painstaking. And these jurors aren't sitting there just waiting for, you know, some revelation or to where their emotions are taking them. They might be, but they're instructed over and over and over by the judge not to do that. And so what I think this case is going to boil down to, yes, you have to establish that he was outside the realm of acceptable force to, as an element of the crime. Yes. Yes, you would need to establish that he, you know, he, there was no reason to be on his neck that long. But what, you, even if you establish that somebody did something they weren't supposed to do, you still need the second aspect of it and the second aspect of it is you need to prove that that action caused the death caused the death so everybody's focused on the use of force the video the trauma that's fine but the case what the jurors are going to be told by the judge what's going to be hammered into their heads is 
the cause. This is going to hinge a lot on the medical evidence. The defense, I imagine, is going to have defense witnesses that are medical experts that are going to try try to argue that the drug ingestion was the reason for the death more so than the application of the force to the neck by the knee. Now, today, today, Dr. Martin Tobin testified for the prosecution. He testified that it was not the drugs. It was the lack of oxygen which killed Mr. Floyd, the lack of oxygen from the knee on the neck. So what he's doing is exactly what the issue, he's going right for the heart of what the jury's going to decide. He's saying he put his knee, so the officer said he put his knee, it was too long, it was outside the realm, so it's a bad action. Then this doctor came in today for the prosecution and said, as a direct result of that action, it was the oxygen deprivation that killed Mr. Floyd. Therefore, his bad action caused the death. Therefore... He's guilty. But the defense has argued and continues to argue, and they're going to bring experts to argue that the ingestion of the narcotics was the cause. Now, just so everybody's clear here, you take your victim as you find them, right? That's a common common law thing in criminal practice, right? You take your victim as you find them. So if somebody has a heart condition... And you purposely or even recklessly do something that exacerbates their heart condition, therefore killing them, you're still guilty of murder. Okay. But if your action isn't what actually caused the heart issue, then you're not. And it seems so simplistic and straightforward, but trust me, when you're a juror sitting there for days and then hours and then deliberating and they give you this huge instructions and and every detail is painstaking, then it's not as straightforward. There's going to be competing medical experts. So this doctor testified for the prosecution, did a good job. Now, the, the defense has said that, you know, when the cops came, he ingested a whole bunch of meth and um, fentanyl and that's what killed them. But interestingly... They testified that they found narcotics in the back of the police car with Mr. Floyd's DNA on them, meaning Mr. Floyd had drugs in his possession and they were left in the police car. So if he ingested the drugs, why were so many drugs in the police car? It doesn't make much sense, does it? No. The doctor testified that the meth that was in his system was so little that it wouldn't have had any effect that great, especially would not have killed him. But I understand people are mad that you even bring up the drug use. There was drug use here, okay? And they found it in his lab reports. I'm not saying that because I'm being insensitive and 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 people aren't attacking the victim when this is brought up. Guys, in a criminal trial, I know people are not satisfied with the justice system, but trust me, the justice system... Like, people think O.J. shouldn't have gotten off. I know I'm going all the way back to the 90s, but it's another case to talk about. Or that the woman in Florida who killed her daughter shouldn't have gotten off. And I understand those sentiments, right? They're valid sentiments, especially from at home when we're watching it. They're valid sentiments. But the fact is that, you know, the reasons they got off was because of how hard it is to convict somebody in a criminal case. And the reason it's hard to convict people in criminal cases is because the system was designed to make it hard because you don't want innocent people going to jail. And I know we've had innocent people go to jail. I know we've had problems in the past. But that's not the aim of the system, okay? It's not the aim of what it's supposed to be. Now, the fact is it's hard to get convictions for that reason. So you have to have 12 people all agree beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody did something. 
And when people bring up the drugs and things, that's fair game because that's part of our system. Somebody's on trial for their life. They're allowed to say, look, there were drugs in the system. We all agree that the drugs didn't cause the death. The doctor who, who testified today says they didn't cause the death. Their jury's going to deliberate. We, we, we root for what we think is right. But the jury is in a really tough position where they're being instructed. They're being instructed on this stuff. And yes, autopsy said the cause of death was homicide. So it's stacked against Chauvin as it should be. The, the prosecution's doing a great job. All the evidence we've seen is good. I'm not trying to, to say how the trial's going to go. I'm just trying to give some insight into the mechanics of a criminal trial and how much more difficult and how much more nuanced it really is than people give it credit for. Okay. And so a lot of this Almost all of this is going to hinge on these medical experts, and I guarantee you the defense is going to have a competing medical expert that's going to try to attack the claims and the findings of the medical experts that the prosecution has put on. And I just want you to keep in mind how technical it is at root when these jurors sit there. It's technical. And the truth is... If you've ever had to stand in front of 12 people and convince them of something, no matter how obvious it is, sometimes there's evidence you're not allowed to show them. Sometimes what you deem common sense, because you know the people involved, you know everything going on, the jurors are coming in, they're supposed to, and they're told, and it's drilled into their heads that they'll get in trouble if they don't come in with a clear mind, no preconceived notions. If they don't listen to every aspect, every word, every instruction, they're going to get in trouble. And you think it's so obvious and straightforward and you believe that. But sometimes if you can't convince all 12 beyond a reasonable doubt, you don't get it. And I'm hoping that we all get the verdict we want in this case because we know what's right and we know what people want to feel that the system is working. But if the degree is the wrong degree or something like that happens, there's a reason for it. It's because of how hard it is to get those convictions. And it ain't easy. And, and when you don't get those convictions... <laughs> It haunts you. I'll tell you that it haunts you. I don't know why I would know that, but just saying it haunts you. And the prosecutors are doing everything in their power to get a conviction and to get what's right to happen. But it's much, much harder than people realize. That being said, the trial is going very well for the prosecution. They're putting the case in the way they'd like. And remember, it's not these broad brushstrokes that prosecutors have. It's not these broad brushstrokes of you paint a dramatic picture and you win. It's these small, minute details. To put on a good case for the prosecution, you have to be more like an engineer or an architect as opposed to a dramatic artist. That's the best way I could put it. And the technical aspects of the case are really what's going to drive it home. So the prosecution thus far has done a very, very good job of building that case and the way it's looking now. I mean, the case against Chauvin is great, and it, all sh it should be, because we see the video. We know what he did. We know what happened to, the, to Mr. Floyd. And we all know what we want to happen in the trial. I'm just trying to give some insight that you maybe wouldn't have gotten from normal commentators on how hard it is. And when you're watching the trial, pay attention to the dueling medical experts and pay attention to the nuances and the specific details and the minutia of the case. 
because that's where the case hinges. And it's an interesting, interesting thing. And you get to see our judicial system at work and how it goes and how lengthy it is and how technical it can get. And hopefully in the end, justice is served for the victim, Mr. Floyd, for the victim's family, and for everybody who has a stake and interest in it, and for everybody who wants to see justice done. I just thought I'd give some insight into, you know, what had occurred lately and, and how difficult and, and just the way that a criminal case goes. And, and it's hard for anybody to really completely grasp that, but, but if I could give any insight, you know, I'd try to do it. Uh, and that's why you tune into the show, right? So we had a hell of a monologue, a little drawn out, I'm sure. Um, and that exactly, and that's what we saw today was the the doctor said that it was suffocation, right? He the doctor said today that he died of asphyxiation. He had lack of oxygen. Had nothing to do with the drugs. Period. I mean, that's all the evidence so far. I mean, it it didn't have anything to do with the drugs, and and we saw what happened. Okay. So we we have an opinion on it, and the prosecution certainly has a case, which is, no, the asphyxiation caused the death. And that's what the doctor said today, which was a very good case. But I bet you that there's going to be a medical expert from the defense that's going to say something different. If there's not, then there's not. Then he's really going to have much of a chance. But I suspect he's going to bring a medical expert in, and they're going to duel it out. And then the jury's going to have to decide which medical expert they believe. Now, remember, if... The leaning on the neck caused some kind of reaction that had anything to do with adrenaline or drugs. It's still murder. But if the doctor is going to testify that that was irrelevant, then that's a whole other thing. doesn't mean the jury is going to buy it. I'm just saying there's more that's going to happen in this case. Just pay attention to it. And just remember, this is what the jurors are going through. This is what's happening. It's an interesting thing. I think the case is going in the prosecution's favor and against Chauvin. And I think we all want that. I'm just trying to give an, un, you know, a, a balanced, insightful view into what's happening. That's all. So, you know, just pay attention to the medical stuff. And you guys obviously did today. And it's looking good for the prosecution. And that's that's a good thing. But I just wanted to give some insight into it. You know, and when I talk about these things, it's not because I'm, you know, insensitive or I'm a technocrat or I'm too utilitarian. I'm just trying to explain different things from from that, you know, actual perspective. So, you know, when you're watching a trial like this, you know what to look for. And, and I would look, pay attention to the medical nuances because that's where the case really hinges. And that's where, you know, the verdict's gonna come down to. So, so far, prosecution doing a great job. Um, it looks like they're building a really good case, etc. So it's, it's looking great. Um, I'm gonna step aside for just a minute. And when I come back, I'm gonna take calls. If anybody wants to call any, uh, any reason, any of the things we talked about today, I know it was a, a long monologue. I wanted to touch on a bunch of things. You know, I know sometimes I just get emotional and get on one topic and it's fun, but I wanted to touch on a few things and kind of kind of discuss what's going on. And hopefully that's how we'll continue to conduct the show going forward. Um, but I'm going to step for aside for one second. When I get back, the number is 973-536-2530. 973-536-2530. If somebody could type it in the chat, 973-536-2530. I'll be back in a minute. And as soon as I get back, I'll take your calls. Look forward to talking to some people with some opinions on any of the topics we've discussed today. I'll be right back. Thanks for joining me at Logic and Larry. Enjoy the jazz. For- All right, guys, I'm back. Anybody want to call in? I know you guys got some opinions. Daniel, if you want to call in and explain the gun issue to me, that's something that's not familiar to me. I'm sure 
I could learn something and the listeners could learn something. Um, anybody else want to talk about any of the things we've discussed today? Uh, give a call, 973-536-2530. Eventually, I'm going to switch to the uh, in-app call system. But for now, we're doing the cell phone thing uh, on Skype as it works the way it works now. But uh, anybody have anything to say about anything we've discussed tonight? Call up. Want to talk, talk to me about guns? You want to talk to me about the uh, vaccination issue that I went through, COVID in general? You want to talk about uh, the armed services tidbit that I that I put out there? You want to talk about the Chauvin trial, um, the border issue? You know, there's a lot of things that we can discuss. And if you want to kind of fill me in on something that I didn't get right or that, you know, I didn't quite know, um, you know, it's something to, something to talk about. And uh, any other thing that anybody's interested in, you know, even if it's off topic, you know, we got some we got some listeners that sometimes go off topic and that's OK, too. But uh, we did cover a lot today. So but so what's yeah. up? What's up, Andrew Senior? What's going on? Hey, doing there? <laughs> you got anything to say about the show or are you just testing it out? <laughs> well, I was testing it out originally, but I mean, I, I've listened to everything. There's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Well, what do you want to talk about? What, what caught your ear the most? Uh, the stupid Republicans keep pissing me off. <laughs> what, 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 which aspect of it? The, All the... of it. They're freaking, uh, they don't want anybody to vote. They want to stay in power. They don't want to compromise. They go back on their word. They're horrible. Yeah, it's just, it's a mess, right? What they do don't you think? want to govern. Yeah, they don't want to govern, right? It seems like they just don't have any, they don't want to govern at all. They have no interest in governing. Anything he puts forth is just like, we're not doing it. And on top of it, they want to restrict voter access and just want to, the Georgia law just blatantly targeted to minority voters. It's just ridiculous. It really well, it's is. Even as bad as what they're trying to do in Arizona, where the legislature can overturn the election. That's yes. one of the bills that they're putting out. It's absolutely ludicrous. They have to pass HR one and HR right. four, I think it is, for the the voting rights. That they have to. They can't go on like this. And the Republicans know that if they don't restrict voting, they're not going to win again. That's the tough. demographic in the country is changing totally. New younger people coming up are not Republicans the way that they want, and the Trump supporters are not overwhelmingly the majority the republicans are not overwhelmingly the, the majority anymore for for over a decade now yeah it's new right. powers because of the gerrymandering and the uh and they restrict the voting that's it mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to stay in power and that's what they want to do and they, i love how they turn their mind you know one one minute they're they're saying companies should invest money and pay for political stuff and they should be part of the process they say they should keep their mouths shut yeah, you saw that too, right? Yeah, exactly. they should be part of it. Now they should keep their mouth shut because they don't like what they're saying. Exactly. Which is ridiculous. It's and you see annoying. some of the companies in Georgia really haven't said much about this law, which is pretty troubling. It's pretty messed up. They just seem to be acting in their own interest all the time, you know. Well, that's what they care about is money. So if they get the uh, pressure from the uh, from the from the uh, their customers, then they'll then they'll open their mouth. Which is the only reason why Coca-Cola did it in the first place. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Because pressure from the customers is what does it. And that's it. But it just seems like they're never like they'll say, oh, we're going to compromise on this or that. We just want a better deal. But they're not going to comp- they don't want to do anything to help Biden or Obama, whoever it was, get an accomplishment, period. And they're not going to do anything except try to restrict voting. They're not going to actually try to govern. And that's just where it is. And it's frustrating because we only pretty much have one party then that's trying to do something now. 
Republicans just aren't going to participate unless they're in charge and then they do whatever they want. It's a shame. Well, they did the same thing with with Obama. They they pushed through Obamacare and then they made a big stink how they're how they're going to uh, have boards that are going to kill old people and somebody choose your doctor and all that crap. So then, then they they wild up their base and they they took I think it was sixty four or something like that congressional seats over. They took the Senate back and then the rest of Obama's term they did nothing for the guy, absolutely nothing. nothing. They stonewalled everything, including obviously the Supreme Court nominee. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even bring it to the floor for a vote or discussion. It's crazy. And you know what's Absolutely scary? Ridiculous. Well, you know what's scary is Georgia's got the the senator. He's got to run again. Yep, next, he does. Yeah, yeah next term in twenty two. Yeah, and if they pass through this thing that they jammed through and it harms Democratic voters, Warnock, and he loses, then we're back to a Republican majority in the Senate. And yeah, then they then, stonewall Biden again. And then that's right. It'll, it'll happen again. It'll happen again. Man, hope they get as much done as they can. Like, you know, what scares me is say he passes like the infrastructure bill, but it's going to take years to implement. So say we finally get approval on this tunnel again from New York, New Jersey, which we desperately need. What happens if they do stonewall them and then the Republican president or something comes in? Can they just stop it? You know, again, is and we enter these treaties with other countries and they just come in and get rid of it and then go like if there's no semblance of consistency anymore of respect for the previous guy. It's just erase everything he did and then come in and do your thing. Like, can we ever count on like if they pass the infrastructure and the bridge? Can we even count on them finishing it until the Republicans, you know, take well, it? It's that's a that's a bill. That's a law. That's not a that's not a uh, a uh, uh, executive exactly. order. So right. it's 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 a bill. It's law. So you can't change the law. You'd have to you'd have to vote it out and say stop it now, which wouldn't happen. Right. Because, True. But, you know. So, but the, you're you're right. Your biggest point is is they are not governing. They're just saying no to every single thing he does, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, and those assholes, Hawley and. Uh, and uh, and Cruz didn't approve, didn't vote yes for one of his nominations for the cabinet. Not one. Yeah, not one. Yeah, not right. One. It's, 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 so they're just going to sit there and stonewall. They're not even going to be. They're not even going to use common sense. They have no desire to. They're just trying to position them like that guy DeSantis in Florida. Just going to oh. try to position oh. themselves any way that is against anything Democrats say to try to win the nomination in four years. They don't care about anything else except winning elections four years from now. That's all they care about. DeSantis is a freaking moron. I can't stand that guy. It's they're gonna, you know, he. They're gonna. They're, hopefully, they're investigating. They're gonna come up with the fact that he gave those uh, vaccines to uh, rich supporters in his in those areas. They released a thousand uh, uh, vaccines early on to a specific neighborhood. You know, where there were all rich people that gave him like a hundred thousand dollars donation. It's ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous. And more and more of them are coming out. They're all coming up with. You know, they're all doing something shady. Yeah. Yeah, McDon- McConnell's wife, she's on, she was under investigation for using her position to benefit her family shipping business. But because Trump was in office and Barr was there, they cut the investigation. Now it started yes. up again. She was in violation of the law. There could be charges against her. Yeah, there was a huge article in The New Yorker that went into that. And it was really crazy when you really pay attention to the stuff that was going on. And, you know, it's just and, and they just he, took a, they t- turned a blind eye because of who was of there. Of course. He took her family to China on a diplomatic mission. What the what the hell? Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's, 
What's crazy too is like the mask mandates and the 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 passports. You know the the the. Oh, you know what I was going to bring up that I forgot to bring up. I'll bring it up with you on the phone. People are so mad about the vaccination passports, but I heard an article that when they had smallpox in the 1800s, like there was mm-hmm. a train going from Canada to the United States, and a doctor would just get on the train. They've documented this, and he would just ask people, "Have you been vaccinated?" And if they hadn't, he'd inject them right there. And if they had, and if they refused, he'd kick them off the train. Oh, and they awesome. had vaccination passports back then, so it's not new. We had that situation already. People are acting like it's unprecedented. It's unconstitutional. Come here, break. That's ridiculous. You, have, you can't travel to certain countries. You don't get a vaccination for yellow fever, for small, uh, for smallpox, for measles, for uh, a whole bunch of diseases. When you go overseas in certain areas of the, of the world, you have to be vaccinated. You can't go there without it. Why do you think in the army they pump you with like sixteen different vaccines? Because you don't know where the hell you're going. You have to get you have to get shots yeah. for everything. Well, that's when I had to go to college. I had to get a, a uh, meningitis yes, you had, shot. You had to get a, a, a what is it? A, meningitis. Meningitis, right? Or in the other one? So, no, B. Something. What was it? Uh, oh, what's that other thing? Shoot, now I can't remember. You don't remember? I don't remember it was, either. It was yeah, it was hepatitis. There was something something else. I can't remember. It's something they have ABC. Even Devo saying he went to Hawaii and he had to prove the QR code to prove he was negative. Yeah, they're <laughs> testing you. Like you might as well get the vaccine. Yeah. If you don't get the vaccine, you gotta get tested then. Like why don't, don't wouldn't you rather get the freaking vaccine than have a thing up your nose every every couple weeks? No, these people you know, we don't want to you know I'm I'm I don't, oh it's just these people are so it just drives me nuts. They're so stupid. What's the big freaking deal? You know, there's right. people on there that don't want to get vaccinated even. Well, that back to DeSantis, what what drives me nuts is because it's getting a little better, he's like, well, I'm getting rid of vaccine passports and I'm getting rid of mask mandates mm-hmm. and I'm not even letting private companies require these things. It's like right. it doesn't even make sense. You could say I'm relaxing it, but he's just going all out the other way just to position himself as a partisan to get elected. Meanwhile, if we get a surge in Florida, which makes the numbers go up nationwide, or we get that variant from Brazil, it's actually killing younger people. Now we're back to square one, and all of us got to go back in the house, and it hurts all of our economies. So he's just an ass. He's killing us all, you know, with this partisan nonsense. It's just, I don't know. Oh, it's the, me nuts. And, the, and the pure stupidity. Yeah, it drives me nuts too. And, and Florida is one of the top five states. The five states have more than almost 50% of the cases right now. Yeah. And New York, New Jersey, uh, Florida. Uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan have most of the cases right now. And Michigan's got the variant, so they're going nuts. And 30, 40, and 50-year-olds are ending up in the hospital. Perfectly healthy because of the variant. It's scary. That's why I'm glad we st- I got vaccine. And, you know, one yeah. more. They said that people who already had it and got vaccinated are already 80% like covered, which is me right now. It's my arm doesn't mm-hmm. really hurt. But then I'll go back for the second one, and I'm vaccinated. Then I can I can have some peace of mind. All my yeah. buddies were asking, make sure you were vaccinated for barbecue, you know. So yeah, how about make sure they're barbecue? Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna station uh, Anthony down the bottom there to get get vaccine passes before you come up the driveway. <laughs> you want to come to barbecue? Gotta see Anthony. People like, you gotta be vaccinated. You're not coming to the barbecue, man. I don't want to hear it. I love it. Out of I love control. it. All right. Well, Dad, this thing works pretty well, so thanks for calling. I'm just going to use this from now on. I'm not going to pay the Skype number anymore. This this thing works great. You could have up to seven people at once. Yeah, it's awesome. That's what I told you before. You get so you can conference call, so I can get on here with one of these one of these friends of yours and start yelling at them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to start. Uh, yeah. I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start doing a, a bunch of. Uh, bunch of people at once i want to pit like rick against somebody and somebody else against somebody else and yada yada it's gonna be fun yeah so it's awesome it's, it's right in the app you just hit the button and you called right in it was great 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to keep up with this. This whole Podbean thing seems to be working better. I mean, your experience has been good, right? The app's better. I can close it out and still keep it running. People yeah, the only oh. thing is like uh, what happened the, the other week somebody said the same thing. You can't go on a computer to do it cuz you can't type. You have to get like a I'm doing it on my iPad, which is great. So oh. I can get like a keyboard to it and I could put the keyboard with the with the tablet and then I could do it. I bet I could broadcast on my tablet. Yeah, that's of course you can. I'm, I'm calling Rick in from the tablet. Can't comment. He, he hates it. What? Rick, he can't comment because he's on the computer. Yeah, right. If you have to be on the tablet, right? You have to have a tablet, or you're doing your phone, or you can't comment, right? You can't comment through the computer, right? Yeah, that's the problem. That's but. the only second thing. But if you do it on the tablet, it uh, it uh, it's easy. It's just a little bit harder, you know. If you the, on the uh, the iPad, you have to hit every freaking letter. So, but you can get a a. Uh, a keyboard that goes with it, and then, yes, then you can do yes. it. Yeah, I'll, we talked to Rick. We got to help Rick out with with the commenting because uh, we miss him in here. And Jay Bowles on on uh, Thursday, so he's not in here. But you know, we'll uh, we'll get him caught up. But thanks for the call, Andrew, as they know you. And uh, <laughs> we'll see if anybody else calls in. Thanks for now you tested it. It works, and we'll yeah, try to fun. get you and we'll get panels set up. It's gonna be fun. Now I'm gonna play yeah. it. So I'm all right, just hit the button to hang up. Let me see if it works. And if it just hangs up, if I hit the button. Oh yeah, I think so. Am you I still on? You still okay, on? Oh, it hits, oh, it gives me a profile thing. Hold on. See, I could disconnect. Watch. You disconnect me. Boom, and he's off. That's great. That is great. Daniel, can you call back because I saw you? It, all right. Either Daniel call back and explain this gun thing to me, or somebody call and read what he wrote. Because it's easier for me. I can read it. I can read it out loud. But if somebody calls and reads it, it'd be better. Now, look, yo, I really have seven spots, not including me. So we are going to do some panels on this show. Daniel's calling. All right, good. Yo. Yo. Microphone check one, two. There you go, bro. What's good, dude? Hey, man. It's just another day. Another day in the life. I'm, you know, I'm just healing little by little, but. You know, I'm, I'm Doc says I'm going to be walking by the end of the month. So we'll see what happens. Bro, that's great. And for those who don't know, we had this ridiculous, insane winter up here. And Daniel broke his ankle like terribly and hasn't been able to walk in yeah. months. It's insane. So, damn, bro. So what have you been doing while you've been on that ankle? Just been reading or, or what? Working from home? What you been doing? Well, I mean, like, I haven't been able to work, really, because, like, the, the law firm that I'm at is essentially still very paper-based. Um, yeah. They're still working with physical files and whatnot. So, like, even, like, I can remote in, but, like, I don't have a database with, like, everything. Like, here's the thing. Like, as far as my firm, they're they're really far behind, whereas just, like, if you work with a lot of different insurance companies, like, they're super automated like all of all of their documents are just like are brought into a server it's this cloud-based system and you have access to everything and all you need to do is bring a laptop to court whereas like you know my firm is just like no we still have these gigantic red wells that we're working with (laughs) and uh you know it's just it's just uh it's it's a it's a tough predicament so you know i you know as far as um my particular situation i'm gonna be walking again hopefully at the end of the month and i'll be back to my job and everything will be normal but uh yeah that's the situation i'm in you know right now but right right in time for spring too that's good and i'm glad you're you're feeling better and you're all right yeah Uh, 
So explain the gun thing to me because I didn't know that aspect of it, and I want to hear it from you. I think everybody would get something from it. So tell me what's up with that particular thing. All right. Well, here's the thing. Um, I like you know, I noticed over time that there were certain firearms that were being that were being made available in New Jersey. Um, two specifically were um, made. I, I guess that were ruled to be acceptable by the New Jersey State Police. One of them was a Troy A4, and the other one was a DSI. Um, I forget what it was, but it was this company that was based in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm saying, basically, what I said in the chat was like, here's the problematic issue with the executive order regarding pistol braces. So, as you're aware, the definition of what an assault weapon is varies from state to state. Yes. So there's certain firearms that are not considered to be pistols or rifles, and they fall into a completely separate category, and it's called an other firearm, quote unquote. Okay. Right? Yes. Now, this other firearm has a 12 and a half inch barrel length, and this barrel length makes them too long to be a pistol and too short to be a rifle. So they kind of like fall into this category of quote unquote other. Yes, and with with this pistol brace, they don't have a stock, so they fall outside of what the ATF's definition of what a short barreled rifle is. So, okay. the reason why, like you know, I have this concern about this executive order is because these other firearms have been sold across the country. Like, like we've had them here in New Jersey. People have been have bought these other firearms like hotcakes, and. Yes. If the ATF issues a new ruling and says, like, okay, we're going to make it so that these braces, since they, they can move back and forth, we're going to treat them like a stock, then it can, you know, potentially turn into a bunch of people into felons overnight, regardless of whether they pass the background check to purchase the firearm in the first place. Gotcha. You know, so you're so, saying the component that they already bought completely lawfully by even possessing it would make them felons overnight because they've been permissible in a number of states for a long time. And all of a sudden overnight you're making them not permissible is what you're saying. Yeah. So like, and and therein lies like, you know, the, the issues that come with administrative law, like when, when, when you're dealing with administrative law, you're primarily looking at the executive branch and how that functions. So like therein lies the issue of having a governmental entity that employs so much fluidity with definitions that can change on a whim. So this, the brace, like I'm not entirely familiar with the brace and I'll, I'll admit that wholeheartedly. But the thing is the brace was actually invented so it could make, it would help the disabled with being able to operate certain platforms one handed. Right. Interesting. Now, me personally, I've always been skeptical of the other firearms, and I've never really desired to own one because I felt they violated the New Jersey assault weapons ban. Right. Um, there's a certain part or parts of the New Jersey assault weapons statute um, where, like, let's say, like, you know, you have a normal, like, neutered New Jersey semi-automatic rifle. You have that in your house, right? Yes. Yes. If in the event you buy like an airsoft rifle that has a retractable stock and yes. that retractable stock can actually go on your real rifle, you are now in violation of the assault weapons ban. A lot of people don't know that. Gotcha. Right? And because what, 
partly by virtue of you being an attorney, you know the nuanced shit that I'm talking about. And you know that, and a lot of people don't. Right. So the thing is, like, you know, you could, so, like, and I've told people this, I'm, and I'm, you know, I've known people personally, and it's like, okay, so you have airsoft rifles in your house? Like, yeah, okay, do you have an actual rifle in your house? Okay, yeah, I do. Okay, so does the stock on your airsoft rifle go back and forth? Yes. Okay, you just violated a law, and you're looking at five years. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, like, people don't know the nuances that are at play here, like, in how serious it is. Yeah. So, like, as far as, like, everything else, like, and, and you know, I'll... I'm willing to co-sign enough, um, like about like you know the Biden administration and their executive orders today. The thing is, like you know, as as far as ghost guns are concerned, I want firearms to go through an FFL. I right. want there to be a background check, right? right? I don't want people to just be able to like you know, because the thing is, like you can have some psychopath who's like, okay, I'm a psycho and I now own this machine or whatever, right. and I'm just gonna do whatever I want with it, you know. Right. And I don't have to worry about, like, and I can just manufacture my own stuff. I have a problem with that, right? And and this is where, like, I get, like, a whole bunch of flack from my own libertarian friends. It's like, guys, you got you to gotta come back to reality and, mm-hmm. and what we're dealing with here in the real world, you know? But, you know, my, my main qualms with it, or, or my main qualm, really, is, like, what do you do if you pass a ruling and the EF, and the ATF comes out and they say the pistol brace is in the same definition, really, as a stock? What do you do with the millions of people that already have this? Do you have a grace period or are they felons now? You know, so like, you know, therein lies the issue. Right. And, you know, the thing is, like, you know, with the Constitution and everything, we have certain, you know, we don't have ips post fast, ips post facto laws. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I would like to think that, you know, if the ATF made a ruling a- against these particular firearms that, you know, there would be a grace period for these people to comply. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily optimistic about that because of like, you know, Biden's pick for, you know, who's going to head the ATF. And so like, you know, while I understand and like, you know, you, you know, this, what this issue as well as I do. Right. But the thing is, like, you know, we we have to somehow draw a dividing line between, you know, are we doing the right thing or are we over prosecuting? Right. 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 And, you know, like any objective person, if you're really grounded in fact and the way that you look at things, right, you understand who deserves to go to jail and who doesn't, regardless, regardless of like, you know, what you're dealing with, like in New Jersey. Right. We have we have the Graves Act, right? Right. The yes. Graves Act essentially is, instructs the judge to say, okay, this is a certain offense where this person gets a three do one or three years minimum, depending on like how egregious their offense was, right? Mm-hmm. Or PTI if they're lucky enough, right? right? And you know, I just you know, I'm I'm just really concerned about how this is going to affect people who have lawfully purchased these weapons and then you know, you know, a change comes from this, you know, executive branch type of agency that has this, like, you know, this, this liberty to make whatever they, they want to be made into law. Right. 
Right. And, you know, it, it, I don't know. It just makes me concerned about say, people who, who did the right thing. You I know? would grandfather them in and just say, if you already bought it, you already bought it. We're just, you know, if, if I'm not saying I would ban it necessarily because, you know, I don't really like banning types, components, things like that. But if they had to have it stand, I would say anybody who already has it, you're grandfathered. You own it, period, and leave it alone. That That would be my you know, way of dealing with it. Cause you, yeah. you know, criminalize people who already have it. That, that would be what I would say, but I, I hear you 100%. And I don't even know why it's a part of it. I think the other things that I touched on are important enough that if, if people raise that legitimate objection, it should get rid of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the thing is like at the end of the day, like, you know, if, if you participate in certain actions, which are kind of like, you know, motivated to frustrate a federal statute, right mm-hmm. you know that's an issue right mm-hmm. but if the atf kind of moves in a way they're they're like okay this is cool and then later on they decide it's not cool you right. can't criminalize an entire like like millions of people you know okay. just because you, you changed your mind because of a certain administration that you're under or like you know who the the president atf get, guy is now like yeah sure regulate into the future but don't victimize people in the past that's 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 my main um issue with the whole thing like granted like i like me personally i looked at them and i was just like this is the, like you know the way it, like it's so nuanced people really don't understand but like you know it, it was like i was saying before like you know like the the part or parts part of the you know the New Jersey AWB statute is is like you have to pay very very special attention to that and you know if you don't you're really just kind of conducting yourself at your own peril and yeah. I don't I don't want people that like you know went to a store passed the background check and did everything right to just be like okay you're in a situation where you're about to be fed into the justice system because we said so after the fact. Like, that's yeah. my main concern. 100%. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I agree. And and just so you know, this this app, the other reason, because Mark brought up that you can't call in unless you have headphones. Do you have headphones on? No. Yeah, see, I don't know what Mark's talking about. You can you can call him about <laughs> I just wanted to see. But anyway, it also gives me a two-hour limit. We're on 158.30, so... I gotta, oh, gonna, man, I got to get off here then so you can get at least one more call in. <laughs> yes, sir. But, bro, thanks for calling in. That that was – I agree with what you're saying 100%. And if people would participate more, then we could come to compromises. I wish they would more. But anyway, dude, great call. I appreciate the call. appreciate you tuning in as always. I pay attention when you listen because I respect your opinion and you're, uh, and you're hearing me out. So um, we'll talk again soon, brother, off here and on here. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, bro. Thanks for the call. And I, I agree with what you're saying, by the way. Be well, Larry. Take care of right, yourself. Bro. Later. Later. Andrew, did you have headphones? Because this is going to – I got to get off in a minute. No, uh, last time I tried to do this, it said I needed headphones. This time it said I didn't. So I don't know if you did something or, or what. But I had the same thing happen last week when I tried to call in through the thing and it said I needed headphones. But this week it didn't. It just went right through. All right, I'll I'll try to figure that out for for Mark's benefit and for Rick. I'm gonna try to figure out some technical stuff between now yeah. and. Thanks for letting me know. All right, bye. All right, bye. Guys, I love you, but this thing's gonna cut off on me. We'll get out the kinks worked out. Thanks for joining me on another edition of the Logic and Larry podcast. What a great show! I'm gonna get a panel set up soon on guns. I think I want Daniel, I want Mark, I want everybody involved. 
and Rick even. But uh, talk to you guys next week. Love you all. Thanks for joining. And it's still going, but it says it's limited to two. But anyway, I'll talk to you guys all next week. Thanks for joining me on the Logic and Larry podcast. When I when I put this out, share it with a friend. Share the pre-recorded versions. You know, let's keep this thing going. If you want a guest feature, let me know. Awesome to have all you guys on here. Awesome to talk with you every Thursday night, every week. And I will see you all very soon. Thanks for your contributions. And I love you all. Good night.